to today's podcast. It's Thursday, July 1st. Uh, you can you put your rainbow flag away. You waved it for a month. Actually, no. Who is vetting companies who did pride support for June and they've now taken that stuff down? We're watching you. Um, coming up here in just a couple of minutes, a very talented and popular local musician, local artist. Maybe you're familiar with him. If you know the uh, Amelia Earhart's crew and you go see... Uh, bands like them. Who else? Uh, what's what's Judge the Coles band? Arctic Clam. If you know the popular ones, then you're going to know the name Ryan Dunlap. Ryan's going to be on in just a little bit. I always interact with Ryan on Facebook because he's got he's a really great musician, but he's also an avid, maybe angry. He's a sports fan. He's got strong sports opinions. I joke with him and I call him uh, Toledo's Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless is a Fox Sports personality who is always getting under the skin of people who love sports. And I tease Ryan a little bit. So we'll have Ryan on in just a couple of minutes to talk about music, what he's got going on, because he bounces back and forth between here and he's had a lot of success in Tampa. He made the most of his time during COVID where he couldn't perform. And uh, we'll talk sports and music where you can go see him, including a place I think he said over the weekend that has really good burgers. They visited with us before. Uh, A couple of things to get with you first. I have a question. If you're free Britney, I'm guessing there are two camps of free Britney. And uh, this morning I saw, look, it was at the gym. I go to the Planet Planet Fitness on on, uh, Hollandsylvania, the one of the newer ones, the newest one is the Mommy one, but this is the second newest one. And Nancy Grace was on Fox News this morning making lots of sense. I was reading the closed caption. And then she finished off by saying, you know, Britney might wind up pushing a shopping cart around L.A., but that's fine. Clearly, she was in the free Britney cam. So I have a question. If you, like I said, there's two factions of free Britney. I'm on the side of... Um, not I'm I'm against that. Like I don't want to see someone become their own worst enemy. Even though many times in this podcast I have said that you have to live with the decisions you make. But if we know that someone is incapable of making the best decisions for themselves or even good decisions, especially as a parent, um, and we can take that decision making out of their hands or guide them a little bit better, let's do it if we can. She's already that person. So I'm in the camp of. Okay, the people that seem to be making her decision for her right right now are not the best for her. So I am in the camp of let's find her people, guidance, conservators, whoever they may be, babysitters who are who are more objective, not related to her, um, and allow Brittany input on the decisions that dictate her life, as opposed to going. Okay, Brittany, you no longer have a conservatorship. Here's all your money. Do what you want. And if you wind up in a dumpster somewhere, well, you... So I, I'm, I'm not for that. Because that totally could happen. And as we've talked about, remember, um, I know that you care about Brittany because she's made songs that you love. But there are millions of people, men and women, who do not make good decisions for themselves and and make really bad, destructive decisions. And that impacts people in their lives, maybe their kids. And when it comes to a conservatorship, um, let's change the system, as Alex talked about earlier this week, so that everyone benefits and that there are no losers. Um, Next serious legal thing. And remember, you have a problem with the legal system in many cases, not necessarily the person, although... Well, I guess in some cases, the person does pull the strings of the legal system. So, Bill Cosby has been released because of a 
a memo to the uh, a press release back in 2005 that basically promised or is taken as a promise that Bill Cosby will not be prosecuted for X and X and he got some level of immunity and that granted him um, his release because some judges and some lawyers screwed up. So um, don't be any more mad at Bill Cosby for doing the abominable things that he does. You can be angry and upset that yet another person with immense resources got something that someone who is in a similar situation without those resources was unable to obtain. You can be mad and angrier about that, but be mad at the judges and the lawyers in this case who maybe should have prosecuted this differently so he never, so that Bill Cosby was never again a free man. This to me is a lot like the O.J. Simpson case. Uh, I think we're 99.2% sure O.J. killed Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. It wasn't proven in court because of what, some shoddy legal work. But again, uh, I think 100% of people or 99.7% of of human beings believe OJ was a murderous killer of two human beings. Uh, That doesn't make him innocent. He was still guilty. Same thing with, uh, and he had resources to help him not be in jail until he got arrested and thrown in jail for stealing his own memorabilia. How about that for karma working? Uh, with with Bill Cosby, he had the resources to get people to say, here's the technicality. This is why this person should not have been prosecuted and he needs to be a free man. He is no, he is not innocent. He is equally as guilty now as he has always been, but because of that technicality and those resources, he's a free man. Great job by Sarah Elms, who tracked down, I believe her name is Patty O'Connor, who is a survivor of, of this kind of, of this awful abuse of Bill Cosby back, I believe, in the 80s. So well done by Sarah Elms. Please read her work in The Blade. More city stuff. Um, there is something called Vision Zero, which is... Um, headed up by uh, the mayor and slow down Sam Meldon, city councilman from Old Orchard. I don't know what district number that is, but for a long time, Sam has been like, hey, slow down in these neighborhoods. You're going to run kids over. Kids pop out in front of cars all the time and they don't, and awful things can happen. Vision Zero is to go 10 years from now, 2031, and not have any traffic or pedestrian fatalities. That seems mostly unachievable because in the truest sense of the word, There will be accidents and maybe ones that are simply not preventable. But I'm bringing this up to you because there is a Vision Zero survey and there's something in there where you can voice your opinion about something you hate. I I have not been an opponent of traffic cams or at least not as much of an opponent as you have been. Um, They're not active right now because of legal holdups, and I know you love that. I've gotten a couple of $120 um, tickets. One I got off because it was written improperly, even though I was probably doing 61 in a, in a 50. The other one I paid. There is something in that survey that allows you to rank ways of keeping safety 
paramount. And one of those is um, the use of traffic cams. And you can rank that dead last. I don't know if there's a place where you can leave comments, but I am certain there's a couple of questions in the survey that I've shared on my social media, Twitter, and on the Eric Chase and the Fam on Q105 Facebook page, where you can say, no, 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 you cannot use, I do not want any part of these traffic cams when it comes to deciding or dictating safety and other things in our city when it comes to that kind of driving. Um, one more thing. Tomorrow night, uh, Hensville has live music again. My f- good friend over at Good Grief of Northwest Ohio, Dorothy Mockensturm, she's their executive director, and my good friend, I don't know when the last time Hensville had live music, but tomorrow night, Dorothy's band, Athens Wheeler, is playing at Hensville. And I don't know if there's been anything, There's nothing. there hasn't been anything there this big in... 15, 18, 20-some months. So I told Dorothy, no pressure, no pressure whatsoever. Um, Let me check real fast here in my uh, daily email to our Cumulus staff that I send out. Do I have to share anything else with you? Pizza Palooza is off because they don't have enough people. Um, Just like the GAF uses bus shuttles from all over the city um, for the Gwen Stefani concert and whoever the country guy is around uh, part of the Solheim concert series as well. There's going to be some buses from Oregon. I think actually one of the malls, maybe the one at Northwood, bringing people downtown because downtown will be gridlocked with people and vehicles and lots of activities during those two concerts. So take advantage of them. That's a story by 13 ABC's Tony Geftos and... I think that's good. I'll let you go now. So we, so uh, Ryan Dunlap and I can talk about all things from sports to music. He's a great local musician. Hopefully you enjoy our conversation. And thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. Please spread the word about it. Um, the one and only Ryan Dunlap. Let can, can I'm recording, so um, we uh, we can use adult language here on on this podcast. It's completely free and clear. So let's dive. <laughs> let's dive right into to why you're here. Who's going to win the NBA Finals? Oh my God, bro! I don't even know who's in the NBA Finals because <laughs> the NBA is trash. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I love it. You know, now that I think about it, um, you I haven't seen any NBA posts from you unless it was like a a big morning sports talk issue. It's baseball is your thing, right? Yeah, man, I love baseball. I love football too, and I—I I mean, I like basketball. I just don't really have a whole lot of use for the the game that they play in the NBA. It's—it's it's not. It doesn't really entertain me. I mean, I'm human, so if I turn on the TV and there's like two minutes left and it's a close game, I'm gonna watch for sure. But as far as like really being up on it, I just don't care. <laughs> How come you don't like the NBA? I just don't think it's like real basketball. Like we all know that nobody's playing defense until we get to here. And then even if they decide that they want to play defense, like just who's going to get a foul called and when's it going to be called as opposed to who's not going to get a foul called. It's just, it's, it's a show. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that happens in other sports as well with, with major league baseball and umpires and officials and referees in the NFL. But I, I get what you're saying. It does, and I feel like at times in the NFL, it's pretty bad, too. Yeah. Uh, baseball is just, I think everybody's getting kind of screwed over equally, so that's not a, Fair <laughs> that's enough. a whole other topic. Fair but enough. the NBA, it's just so blatantly obvious. I think because of 
like the game that we're watching, the way that it's televised, we're so on top of it. Like you can just you can see it with your own eyes. You don't even need the replay half the time to be like, "What was that?" So it's mostly the the officiating that you have a problem with. Uh, I wouldn't even say that because I have a problem just as much with the players flopping and, like I said, not playing defense. Like it's just it's like the the best athletes in the world, and I feel like they're not playing the game that any of us were taught how to play. Like, so you were a you were a nineties NBA fan for sure, right? Oh, I loved it growing up, man. I, I loved when I was little. I mean, I loved the Pistons just growing up around here, but I loved the Magic, like Penny Hardaway, Nick yep. Anderson. Mm. Yep, um, that was my team. I the one thing that I can't wrap my head around, and I don't. I, I actually, I actually think that um, that offense has gotten too overpowering over the last five to ten years and the restrictions on defense and hand checking and I don't want to get back to like Knicks Bulls 86 82 right. I don't need people getting elbowed in the face or anything I just want to be able to watch like some decent basketball yeah like and I think 80s and early 90s before the, the some of those Knicks teams took over even some of the Pistons stuff with the bad boys like I'm good with like a 104 96 game we went too far with those Knicks teams and the the mid 90s into the 2000s where you know it was a race to 95 and now where games are like 132 126 it's too much for me Dude, we're, we're we're going into the fourth quarter with games that should be final scores. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and the one thing I can't figure out is, and you follow a lot of sports stuff, so maybe some you've heard somebody give a good answer to it. The game was more aggressive and rugged back in the 90s when we watched. And Jordan played every game. A lot of players played every game. And the medical science to keep these guys feeling better and at their peak athletic ability and keeping them healthy. Um, they, it wasn't where it is right now yet. Guys play less games now than they did back then. I don't understand it, man. The only answer that I could come up with is we are seeing people get hurt way more. And I think a big part of the reason that we're seeing people get hurt a lot more. And I know people in the football world have their own kind of opinions or stance on this is we don't let anybody get touched anymore. Yeah. So in practice and stuff, nobody's getting any physical contact. They're not even going 100%. And then they're going out on the court and giving 100%, 110%, if you will. <laughs> and I feel like people's bodies just aren't up to it. So then when people are getting hurt, they're setting them down. And it's, it's equally as much as a financial thing. Like, no one's giving LeBron $300 million or whatever the hell insane contract his contract was when they're risking him getting hurt against who, the Suns in an off year. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? Like Nobody right. cares about that. They're 10 games in the lead for first place, and they're just not going to go out there and play. No, I, I think I forget who the athlete was who alluded to to exactly what you're talking about, and it, maybe it was Barkley or somebody like that. And all the lack of practice, where we thought we would have players keeping things in the tank for a long season, um, would be better off. But to your point, and to whoever else said that, like if you're not used to getting hit, if you're not used to going at X miles per hour before games you're not going to have that endurance to last the season or when you get hurt it's not something you can shake off and play through because it lingers so it's a good point and you're just not you're not used to it like i just feel like even the mental side of it when you get hurt it takes longer if you're not used to getting hurt anyone that's played peewee football through an nfl football player knows that you have to get hit a few times at the beginning of the season and like 
built like that's what the two days and stuff are for you have to build up that body tone that's used to getting hit and knocked around a little bit if you don't have that when you're getting hit by like the most toned machine athletes on the planet it's gonna suck if you're not ready Yeah. So uh, I wanted you to hop on because you're you're here. And how come? Because you were supposed to go back down to you're like a snowbird, um, except you're one third of the age of the usual snowbirds. Are you you're booked locally here through what Labor Day? Uh, Yeah, I mean, going into the fall at this point, um, I am a snowbird of sorts back and forth to Florida. And typically I come back and forth throughout the summer even and go back down there. But uh, I have a dog, as many people know, that I'm obsessed with. And they changed the laws on flying with him. He's a support animal for me. And I couldn't take him, so just became, like, more and more making sense to stick up here as more and more things were filling up. And I've been really fortunate to just have a full calendar up here. That is because you are an extremely talented local musician. Thanks, man. Um, what, what took you down to Tampa in the first place? Um, I just had some friends that went down that way, and as everybody knows up here, the winter gets fucking terrible. Yep. And with that comes the closure of all the patios and stuff, and just generally people going out kind of takes a dip throughout the weekdays and stuff. So there's just not as much opportunity up here, it seems like, in the winter months as there is like in the summer where I'm playing 20, 25 shows every month. Um, so I had friends that moved down there and said, Hey, you know, there's just a lot of music down here. This could be your spot to, uh, fill your winter out, I guess. Keep yourself busy. And I went and checked it out and it was sweet. And yeah, that was kind of how it started. And it just kind of snowballed into more and more time being there than here. And now it's kind of flip flopping back. Um, yeah. (laughs) Were you, were you concerned when you went down there? Like, I know you said you had friends, but you, you know what it's, we know what it's like. It's always easier when you know people that can you know get you in did they get you into these places and that that's what made it easy for you to have that platform pe- for people to go this oh, dude's God, really good no. I want to um, book they're from here and they knew nobody or nothing about <laughs> anything as far as like that side of it goes um i was definitely nervous but i was more nervous about like if you go down to florida i guess anywhere but specifically i was in the clearwater st pete area very resort very island vibes and I don't play that music, and I don't really have any interest in playing that music. Mm-hmm. So I was more concerned about whether uh, there was going to be a space for me to fit in anywhere. And it actually turned to be kind of an advantage for me that there's so many people that are that person that they were like, no, like, please don't change. We don't want you to be that person. Play this how- stuff so we can have you as kind of like the off of that day how- guy. When you first got down there, how did you get the first gig? Um, I just started driving around everywhere. I had sent tons of emails because I went down and scoped it out a little bit just on like a vacation to see it and whatever, kind of just hang out, get the vibes. Um, And then I started, when I made up my mind that that's what I wanted to try to do, I started to call people and email like I've done so many times. Like I've been fortunate to play all over the country and it's always worked. And down there, it just was not working. Everyone was basically like, we don't really care what you've done or what your video sounds like because we've been duped so many times by people like saying, Oh, this is me and my video. And then they get there and they're just terrible in person. So ultimately I flew down there and just kind of rode around and 
looked up all the places that said they have live music and walked in and said, this is what I do, and let's get together. <laughs> and one clicked, and then they just all felt like dominoes after that? Um, to a point, because there were certain ones that I got in with. So there's a place called the Toasted Monkey down there. It's pretty well known. And once I got in there, I was able to be like, yeah, I'm playing at the Toasted Monkey every other Friday afternoon. And if you could even like see the managers be like, oh, you're playing there, you must be all right. <laughs> good, 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 good. Um, how would you compare the people down there? I know you said it's touristy, but you, you were, you're a snowbird, so you got around town. How would you compare people down in Florida in the Tampa area um, to up here in the Midwest? Um, I, if I'm being honest, I enjoy people around here more. How come? Uh, people down there are they're nice I'm not saying people aren't nice but they're just in their own little thing and a lot of people the work ethic I would say doesn't seem to match up with the Midwest work ethic there's a lot of people that are on their island time and they're going to get to it when they're going to get to it and that could mean being late to an appointment it could mean not responding to emails and stuff and I just feel like that's just a lot better up here than it is down there yeah, I'd agree with that. I um, I lived in Orlando for a little while, and a friend of mine warned me of, I guess, what you'd call island time. And right. everybody was on their own schedule. And I appreciate it because it was different from where I grew up on the East Coast and even here. It's part of like what brought you there. <laughs> yeah, yes. You're like you, you go there to slow down everything in your life. So I completely understand that. And the people were a lot nicer except for the transplanted or retirees from where I grew up where the middle finger was still usually the way people said hello. But they were just a little nicer about it. And it was definitely sunnier out. So I'm kind of envious that you're down there. It's a great spot. It's solid, man. It's uh, it's the only th- the other thing that I would say that I like a little bit better about here than there is the kind of what you just said. Everybody is moving down there. Like nobody's from there, so the sense of community and the idea of just like everybody knows everybody. It's not there because everybody is moving away as fast as they move in. Yeah. Um. Everybody's a transplant, and it's a lot of people from uh, from the East Coast corridor. I, I came across that as well. One thing uh, that I actually liked about Tampa, when I even when I lived in Orlando, Tampa was like the the northernmost city in Florida because of the way it was constructed. It was a, it's not so glamorous like in Orlando or Miami, and it has a city right. vibe. It has a city vibe to it. it definitely, Tampa definitely does. Tampa is way more of like. When you get into the actual city and into the buildings, it's more of kind of like a Chicago with a beach feel. <laughs> yeah, much nicer weather. And like since you've gone there, uh, championships have followed. Championships have followed, man. <laughs> uh, last year they were totally the championship city. I uh, I so I've I don't know I, uh, it would be impossible to tell, but since 2008 I've been a Tampa Bay Rays fan I got off of them a little bit when Joe Madden left because I was a fan of his but then Kevin Cash won me over so last year uh obviously well the Buccaneers won the Lightning won and I was hoping that the Rays were going to win the World Series because it would be incredible nobody would ever predict that a three championship city would happen in Tampa Bay but maybe you just brought all that title stuff together with your presence there I mean, I would assume that that has everything to do with it. <laughs> and I will also be quick to remind you, people don't realize or forget the Tampa Bay Rowdies, which is essentially the mud hens of the MLS, were in the final and it got canceled and they never made up a makeup date Look for the that. game. Like they just 
canceled the whole championship. I guess it was because all of the other major seasons around the world, and that's a lot of these players, this is kind of like, again, like a mud hens training ground, this league. Um, so all these other seasons that are more important were about to start, and they had to get people out. So they could have potentially won another championship last year. Look at that. Look at that. And, and do on a scale of... On a scale of 1 to 10, people care about their sports here like 7, 8, or 9, some 10. They don't care about it as much down there, right? Because everybody's from somewhere else. Even before they won last year, I will. people are obsessed with the lightning down there. It's kind yeah. of crazy. Hockey, and you, you I know can't, Hockey fans are kind of cultish and very protective of their team. They are, but it's it's like everyone there. The lightning are like their Ohio State. Okay. It's, it's, it's very interesting, and I know part of it is just because they're good and they've been doing well for better part of 10 years now, uh, and they won a championship how many, 20 years ago before that. Um, so I know that's part of it, but I think another part of it might just be because it's so damn hot that everybody wants to go sit inside a hockey game. Yeah. What's <laughs> I almost think also there's a combination of the people that are actually from there, that novelty of seeing like an ice winter sport because they never have combined with all of the transplant that like miss the idea of hockey. I think that really plays into it. Like there's a lot of people that probably grew up Bruins or Rangers fans or something. And now they're following the lightning. How would you compare? Have you been to a Red Red Wings? You've been to Red Wings game before, right? I actually never have, man. I've never been to a Red Wings game. Okay, because I was going to ask you to compare going to a... Well, how about comparing the Wings fandom to the Ning fan, fandom? Um, I would I'd put them on par, man. Like, when, when the Wings were doing real well, it's kind of the same thing. Like, the lightning hats and shirts and stuff are just everywhere there. Lightning things are everywhere as far as, like, advertisement and um, just branding. Like, there's the lightning whopper, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's everywhere. If somebody It's very interesting how much they love the lightning and how much they do not give a shit about the Rays. And the Rays were just in the World Series. Like, they've made it to a World Series, what was it, 10 years before that? Like, they've had some pretty good teams and nobody cares. They... I forget. Every even when they moved beyond 2008, they were winning the winning with like five winningest teams in baseball. They had a couple of lousy years and they dropped out of that, but they're they're back. And it makes sense because most of the people there, are Yankees or Red Sox fan, and it's really hard to remove that fandom. But I compared the Lightning, the Lightning and Red Wings fandoms, but it would make sense because people have been Red Wings fans as as the city grew. Um, same thing with the Lightning; they've been around for 30 years now, and you probably had people right. move. They're back not the there. new kid on the block anymore, right? And they've been good for a lot of those years and that you probably had kids move down there when they were a couple of years old they went to a game and now they become lifetime fans because they've been good and i love what you're saying about like it's the only place where you can get any kind of winter in, down there as well yeah man that's the only taste of winter unless you're going to go stand in the frozen food section like <laughs> what like a- our, our coldest day um, and we, we had a, what was considered a cold winter last year. And our coldest day was we had a couple of nighttime, like 32, 33 degree weather things. And that they, was about it. they scroll the frost warnings like there's a, like right. there's a hurricane coming, right? <laughs> they sure do. Yeah, I remember those. Since you've been bouncing back and forth, what's your take on the music scene up here now? Oh, man. I, same as it always was. <laughs> Just great. More people just keep popping up, better players. 
Uh, everyone that I've known that I already thought was great has gotten better. And I would assume that, like myself, a lot of that is, like, thanks COVID. Yeah. It- um, there's a lot of awful, and we can talk about the awful, and we can get into this or that as much as you want, don't want, but there's a lot of good that came out of COVID, too. And I think we're going to start to really see that show itself over the next six months to, like, two years or so all of these people whether it be people like myself that have learned a lot of new skills over the last year or that kid that was so bored and mom kept being like dude you got to do something and just bought him a guitar or whatever it may be like and they're gonna start popping their head up because there was nothing to do right so you either wasted your time and watched everything on netflix or you watched everything on Netflix and then still had a bunch of time. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, you popping up in my timeline, in my, in my feed, doing uh, a live Facebook was as predictable as Judge Judy coming on every day. So yeah. um, it's interesting that you bring that up because I have like a large scale thought. I was talking to a, a radio industry friend of mine and we were talking about some of these at least uh, pop artists that have come of age during all of this and that's great. They're super talented when they do a performance on Facebook or digitally. But in a lot of ways, these people become lifetime artists by touring and performing. And I wonder if we're going to find out that some of these people couldn't do much more than sit in front of a computer screen and they don't have the skills or talent to perform in front of a couple thousand people or thousands of people. Is there any validity to that thought? I mean, I guess only time would tell on that. The only thing that I can say for some of that is... In most cases, I think, anyway, (laughs) those people that you're talking about, we're still doing it live in front of your face. So at least it leads me to believe that they have some kind of skill set. Like, in terms of we're talking about, like, seeing people do videos and stuff like that, hopefully they weren't using a whole lot of this or that to change everything over and fix what they can't do. Right. So hopefully, in person, they'll be good. Well, we'll I'm out. hoping that some of our favorite bands that have been doing it forever don't suck now because <laughs> they haven't done it for a year and a half to two years. And, I mean, I know I can speak to this personally. Like, I realized right away that I needed to, like, start singing on my own, practicing more, just because I hadn't done it. I went from playing five, seven, ten times in a week, you know, to not playing or just doing half an hour on a Facebook Live or something. And it was like a learning curve again to get back into that kind of, I guess, shape to be able to do it. I I keep calling COVID the great magnifier or the great amplifier. Um, it it's going to amplify the positive and the negative. Like if there was somebody who wasn't out for eighteen months, staying sharp. Comfort will sink in and they will fade away. And others maybe spent more time practicing and not Netflixing and they got much better like you did and some others as well. So it was a great amplifier and we're not done as, as you know, seeing the effects of this. How, what was the hardest part? Was the hardest part not playing live for people, which was your life, and then it instantly went away? Was that the hardest part? I mean, that was up there. The hardest part was just the being alone, the isolation, I guess you would. <laughs> right. Um, when I was down in Florida for it all, essentially, like at least the big bad 
stay in your homes, don't do anything. And at the very beginning of it, and I still don't know whether I did or didn't have it, I was concerned that I had it. And my now ex-girlfriend is very susceptible, like a high-risk person. So we couldn't even do the whole, oh, we've been around each other. I'm just going to quarantine with you because it was like that serious, like, shit, if you don't have it, thank goodness, but don't risk it. So I was alone, alone for 14 days or whatever. It was just me and my dog, and that shit sucked. <laughs> um. What was your first live gig out again, and what did it feel like? Oh, man, I'm not even sure if I remember, to be honest with you. Oh, I do remember. There was a place called uh, Irish 31, and it was awesome because it was, like, kind of what I expected. <laughs> it wasn't that busy because people were on the restore restrictions, and they couldn't even be busy, like, even if they would have been full, it would have still not seemed busy because of the restrictions. Yeah. Um, but like everybody there was just so grateful to be out of the house and like hear live music again. I just like smashed it in tips. <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah. I'm, I know Hensville is open up this weekend. A friend of mine's band is, um, is playing Friday night. I'm like, no pressure. You just got to bring live music back to Toledo for a large audience. Nothing, right. no heavyweight there. What's your favorite place to play here? Oh man. That's a good one. Uh, I mean, it's. I guess that's not even really that tough. There's a lot of places, so don't be mad places out there. I love you all. <laughs> but the boar, I love playing at the boar. They gave me some kind of a home coming up on almost 10 years ago. And before I left, I was playing there for a couple of years every Tuesday night and just playing there now, like the patio situation that they have out back is so fun. It reminds me of a place in St. Pete called Janice Live, which is a venue venue, like big names come through there. And it's the same kind of situation. The whole building is surrounded by apartments and all of the apartments have balconies. So you got however many people fit in there. Like it's probably like a four or 5,000 place venue. And then all these people out on their balconies grilling out and shit. It's awesome. And that like the board definitely reminds me of that. You, uh, you started your, weight loss journey before covid stuff right i did i started that in like november of 2019 like i have been doing just better generally on losing some weight but really started to like actually pay attention to it like i was doing better because i had slowed down on my drinking and i had got my dog so i was walking a lot more and then in november i started to like really kick it into gear i went and did Hey, what do they call it? A turkey trot 5K thing that I was not enthused about doing at all and, and actually really enjoyed it. And that kind of like kicked everything off. And still just about there. I saw you eating that hot dog a couple of weeks ago with the uh, the muddy run. Oh, man. It was amazing. <laughs> um, let's. It's like the, it's the second best post race snack I've had. I ran one that was called a cupcake 5K. And yes, there were cupcakes and they were amazing. Look at that. Um, let's wrap up with some some sports things, and then we'll put your schedule out there so uh, so people can come check you out. Um, the sports discussion that always turns you into who you are, Skip Bayless. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, wow. What You're asking what, what yeah. gets me going? Yeah, like if you're playing and you maybe hear some people talking about something and you literally want to drop everything and, and put a finger in somebody's chest or 
put out an angry tweet or something like that because you know that they are so wrong in their perspective or opinion? I mean, I guess that's just situational because it depends on what's going on at the time in sports. But it's probably just any time I hear a real homer. Like, even, like, I'm a Notre Dame fan, and sometimes I'll just hear some shit that I'm just like, dude, you're making us all look like an idiot right now. <laughs> but but That's what fans it. are. But you, okay, you asked me not to ask you this or bring it up, but that'll get you hot. So you don't like seven-inning doubleheaders, right? Oh, my goodness. I knew you were going to. Dude, it's so fucking stupid. I, I, I hate everything about it. I hate from a, like, sports and just purist standpoint, I, I hate the idea of pitchers not getting a chance to get no-hitters or perfect games or things like that. I hate that I've watched games. I've watched Tigers games, specifically, where it was like we were doing terrible, and then in the fifth we scored one, and the sixth we scored two, the seventh scored one, and all of a sudden we're down by one run, and it's like we were clearly mounting that comeback. The momentum was on our side kind of thing, and the game's over. I just, I hate it. <laughs> I right. don't. And then I really don't like the idea that if you bought a ticket for 40 bucks, they're not refunding you any of that money for your two quarters of a game <laughs> or whatever. Um, if I, aside from the seven inning games, and I thought they were going to switch that this year because I think that was I really a, thought they were too. Yeah. A COVID thing. Cause it, it doesn't make much sense. And the money aspect is, is on point as well. Although it's very possible that a nine inning game could go a lot faster than a seven inning game. And that's just baseball not being on a clock. But if I, if Rob Manford called you up and that's the commissioner of baseball said, Ryan, I have seen your Facebook posts. You seem like a diehard baseball person who is always thinking about the game and the fans and the players. I'm going to step aside for one day and you can wave a magic bat and change a rule. What are you doing? Ooh, what am I doing? Okay, can I have two? Because yes. one, yes. I'm making it. One, I'm making it so that they cannot do anything to remove the shift. Because I don't give a fuck if a game ends one to nothing and twenty six dudes roll into the shift. Learn how to hit. There's an entire infield wide open. For them to change that rule is just absolutely absurd to me. Yeah, I I am for more action and more balls in play. Um, I I do like, you know, dominant pitchers, but it's skewed too far. But I am all for leaving the shift alone because I I think that's just strategy. It would be strategy, man. Because, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I want to see it. But at the same time, dude, we've only been doing this, like, seriously, like, hard, hard. Like, the shift's been around the entire time baseball's been around. But doing it to this much with the analytics has only been around for 10 or 15 years. So let's let some of these players that have been in the game when it's been really hot the last six or seven years get out of the game because these younger kids are going to know that they have to learn. Like, some of these guys can't learn because they're already 30 years old. Of course they can't fucking learn how to switch their swing. (laughs) I know the, the, the comp is, well, the NBA has changed rules as far as man-to-man defense and zone defense and things like that. But then well, again... Baseball's its own game. <laughs> and I'll make the comparison of football. Like, teams used to be staunch 4-3 or 3-4 defenses, and now that doesn't exist anymore because... You construct your defense to stop an offense. You bring guys up to the line of scrimmage. Sometimes your defensive lineman might stand up. So I like your rule. What would your second uh, wave of the magic bat be? 
Oh, my second wave of the Magic Bat would be, I'm not against the runner at second in extra innings, but I feel like we need to push that back to, like, the 11th. I like it. I don't it. think we need to immediately change the game. I think it should be kind of like how college football, the first two overtimes you get to do what you want, and then they force you to go for two. So let's play it out a little bit more because I just feel like we're going to potentially see some dumb shit happen in a very big moment because you threw a guy on second and I don't want to see that happen just after nine innings when it could like, we could have a great matchup, a two, two game or whatever. And then you throw a guy on second and a little loop that should have just been a single is scoring a run completely when the guy doesn't even deserve to be there. I'm not even totally certain how they score that guy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm all for it because the, what we're trying to prevent is the 17-inning game. There's nothing wrong right. with, with an 11-inning game. Right. So. We, we just don't want to be there till 2 in the morning because nobody could get a guy past seconds. <laughs> One of my great childhood memories, I didn't go to the game, but it was, uh, it was. I think it was in 1993. The Phillies were playing the Padres on a Friday night, and they had a doubleheader, and there were several rain delays. And I remember waking up, six or seven o'clock in the morning just about two hours before mitch williams drove in the winning run at like 4 30 in the morning <laughs> at veteran stadium that's awesome because uh both games went extras so um thank you for hopping on it was good to chat where are you playing this weekend or where anybody else can come out to that you really want to see you want really want people to come out to in the next couple of weeks uh, well, this weekend, I'm going to be down in Napoleon at the Lumberyard Winery. Okay. And then on Saturday night, I'm going to be up in Luna Pier at Chateau Louise. So getting around a little bit. Um, and I guess that's really it. Check out Ryan Dunlap Music on Facebook. And I'm always trying to post my schedule and stuff over there. And find me on YouTube, Ryan Dunlap Music, and all of those things like that. Awesome. And I uh, I should have said it at the outset, and I should have done it way sooner than this, but I'm so sorry for screwing your name up like five years ago at Toyathon. <laughs> That's okay, man. One time when I was on the news to promote my second record, they put my name as Brian Dunlop. So mm. if anybody wanted to go get my record, they were going to go try to find the Brian Dunlop album. Um. Thanks for hanging. This was good. More angry sports things, please, on Facebook, and more of the do- and more of the dog as well. Oh man, I'll post a picture for you right now. <laughs> Thanks, man, and uh, I'll see you soon. And whenever you get back down there, have a safe trip. Okay. Cool. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man.